Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful week. So this week's episode is so special Um, to me, to all of you probably who listen, um, but mainly because my guest, Brian Moylan, is someone that I have looked up to for so long in this Housewives universe. You know, I've read his books. I've listened to him on so many different podcasts. I read his recaps. I just find him endlessly talented and entertaining. And we have an almost two-hour chat today where we discuss everything from like Summer House, Summer House Martha's Vineyard, Atlanta, Jersey, how we might remake the cast of Jersey following this season. And of course, everything related to Scandaval and the Vanderpump Rules Reunion Part 2. We just had the best time. I laughed so much. I really learned a lot from him, especially about how people, um, both cast members and production, are involved in selling and killing stories related to the shows by working with gossip magazines. And I think you guys will find that so fascinating as well. Because this week's episode is so long, I'm not going to do much of an intro. I just wanted to say two things. One, I uh, probably will get heat for it, but I do um, quote and read from the DSM-5 when talking about something related to Raquel. I am not a trained psychologist. I have absolutely no business quoting from the DSM-5 or diagnosing her, but it's just, there was just... um, a list of uh, characteristics of a particular type of personality disorder that I've just been thinking about a lot over these last few years with regards to Raquel. And I know I am overstepping by talking about that, but I hope you guys find at least the conversation enlightening. Um, But I want to get out ahead of that and say, yeah, I shouldn't talk about people's mental health or personality disorders. It's just we talk about what we witness on TV and we try and relate it to our own lives and the world around us. That's what this podcast is. So that's sort of um, the uh, like way in which I was thinking about this and talking about it. That all being said, I would really love to talk to someone who is an actual trained psychologist, specifically about narcissism and the difference between narcissistic traits and narcissistic personality disorder. Um, Also, you know, these terms such as narcissist and psychopath are being thrown around a lot, um, not just on Vanderpump Rules, you know, on a number of these shows that we watch. And I would love someone to be able to talk us through what these words mean, what diagnoses mean, you know, some characteristics that we might see from people who are on these shows, who are interested in becoming famous versus things that are actual um, mental health conditions and illnesses. So if anyone knows anyone that'd be good to talk about this, please connect me. I have also 
put some feelers out on this topic because I know you guys are really interested in, and I do want to talk to someone who is trained in psychology and therapy specifically, um, and not someone who deals with narcissism in any other way. I just want us to get a better sense of, you know, these terms and what they actually mean. I think it's could be a learning opportunity for all of us and certainly myself included. You know, I had so much fun with this week's guest. I hope you guys really enjoy the episode. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, go ahead, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. It helps me get new guests and spread the word about the podcast. I'm not trying to make money off of this podcast. Um, I'm just trying to keep it afloat and have intrigue interesting guests for all of you to listen to. So um, as always, if you do have some constructive criticism or anything you want to reach out to me about, my DMs are always open. You can find me at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. I do enjoy hearing from you, even if it's constructive criticism. I can take it. All right, guys, uh, we'll take a quick break and then back with Dame Brian Moylan. Oh, so fun. Hi, everyone. I am here with Brian Moylan, who is a Real Housewives anthropologist, a writer, the editor-in-chief of the Housewives Institute Bulletin, which you all should be subscribed to. It comes every other Friday to your inbox, and a New York Times best-selling author of The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives. How are you doing, Brian? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm always excited to talk Housewives with you. I love talking Housewives with you. You know, we are birthday twins. And I do have to start this podcast by letting you know that I had an astrology reading for my birthday with Miss Allie Luber. Oh, my God. I was just going to ask because I've been meaning to do one for the newsletter. Oh, my God. Maybe I should do that this month. I should do. I would definitely let her know in advance um, that that's what you want to do. But she was great. And granted, I knew nothing about astrology. So she really was like breaking down the basics for me. Like I didn't understand that my birth chart is where the planets were when I was born like I didn't right. I didn't even know that <laughs> that's kind of like all I know but I've like people in the past have been like oh I'll do your chart and I asked my mom I'm like what time was I born she's like I don't remember <laughs> I was like um <laughs> I I have my birth certificate I forgot for what reason but I needed it for some sort of like security clearance DC whatever yeah and so I have my original so I I'd know the time from that and so you have the long firm birth certificate in case Donald Trump comes asking for it. You, um, you know, yes, born at eight fifty eight p.m. in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh my gosh! That's maybe I'll uh, see if I can find mine. Why yeah. do they have all that shit online? Why can't I just go to like the Bristol, Connecticut Hall of Records and be like bleep bloop and like get it? You should be able to access your. They might charge you for it because you know. Right. They charge you for everything at this point, any sort of records. And also, yeah, if you're providing a service, I'm happy to help fund you continuing to provide that service. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you could also like, <laughs> if you really wanted to be crazy, call the hospital you were born at and see if they 
<laughs> They're like, we My don't father ran records. the hospital where I was born, so I could what? probably just be like, it's Brian Moylan. They'd be like, oh, we recognize that name. I'm very famous. <laughs> <laughs> Not just in the housewives world. Well, I, I really, I really enjoyed the astrology reading, and you know, we didn't talk about um, Vanderpump much or anything, but I did let her know that, like, the reason I found her clearly was the show, but also yeah. that the show was so meaningful to me because we did talk a bit about my mom, my mom dying, and that kind of thing, and how in that really rough moment of my life when my apartment burned down and mother died within two weeks of each other, I became like I like the only thing I could watch on TV was Bravo, like just nothing else. Everything else felt like I had a story about a mom dying, a mom being sick, like just like I mean, I watched, yeah. you know, Beauty and the Beast and I forgot about the mom like it was I couldn't watch any Mama Mia. Oh, my God. I cried on a plane so much that a right. poor flight attendant brought over tissues thinking I was watching Manchester by the Sea. And then it's literally like Pierce Brosnan with his shirt off. And I'm like, no, you should have seen the scene before. It was like a mom and a top. Like I just, you know. So I got into Bravo. Any movie I've ever watched on a plane, I've bawled at. Like, I'm watching, like, Real Steel, the fighting (laughs) robot movie with Hugh Jackman. And I'm like, ah! It's the altitude for sure. But I was... Oh, my God. You know. For sure. For sure. I get it. But it's crazy. There was a great article about this in Wired, of all places. Um, I forget the author's name. I wish I remembered it. But... and. And it was about, like, his grief and, like, losing a friend and, like, finding himself again through reality television. And you talk to a lot of Bravo people and they come to this stuff in the darkest time of their lives, which, I mean, I don't know, maybe as, like, a balm or what? I don't know, but, It was something that allowed my brain to like heal it was like while i'm watching this my brain isn't hurting it's not sad so i'm it's just like a keep... medically induced coma <laughs> for your brain <laughs> I was just watching it and then that was the season that like it was like 2016 early like that winter and so i you know i think lala was on i think J- james was very funny to me like him just saying yeah. pump and I just I don't know I would just like the only time I laughed right and so telling Allie this I'm like it really provides a lot of comfort I know it's like a crazy moment right now for the show but a lot of us have found it and really enjoy it because it got us through some tough times and then now that we're out of those tough times we still enjoy the show and it was like she hadn't heard that before and it really meant a lot to her because I think I think this has been like an overwhelming experience that oh my she God, yeah. is, pro- I think, kind of still like sort of questioning, like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, is this worth it? You know, I don't think she has aspirations like really? the other people on the show. Yeah. Oh, because I feel like the only reason she would be with James is to be on the show. Yeah, I know. But crap. And she does not seem to enjoy him. I think she does, and I think she, like, loves him deeply, and I think if the show were to stop, she would be more than okay with it. And granted, we only spent, like, an hour and 15 minutes together, but it was a 45-minute reading, and she stayed on for 30 more minutes, because we were, like, bonding, and, you know... Oh, that's cute! She was great. I mean, she really... 
you know, I'm starting to date and um, like, like a lot and <laughs> try and she was told me to set the table for two as like an intention for the universe to oh let the universe God, know. That's like both dumb and sweet at the same time. <laughs> it's amazing. I've been doing it. I've been doing it. <laughs> How okay, hold on. I'm now I'm I'm like on a different track. How is the dating going? Do we want to talk about it? Is um, there anyone we like? Not, is there anyone we hate? Not yet. Um okay. I yeah. I definitely made okay. the mistake of not looking at a place that someone recommended that was in Bethesda, but it was in North Bethesda. And I drove during um, rush hour yesterday, and that was um, very painful. <laughs> North Bethesda is not far from, dare I say, Potomac. Uh, yeah, I mean, we might as well have gone. <laughs> were you on a date with Ray? Wait, were you on a date with Juan Dixon? Are you like the new? Yes, um... it's me. I'm the blonde from Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. It's, yeah, it's a lot to manage for, you know, it's weird. And it's like you don't want it to feel like a job interview because it's D.C. and everyone wants to talk about their work. So it's like, how do you balance, like, talking about work because that's what people connect on in the city, but, like, getting to know someone, you know? So as you've been getting to know people and you say, like, oh, I do this podcast, it's about Bravo, whatever, what kind of reactions do you get from the people that you're on a date with? They're like, wow. Like what? one guy was like, so you like really like it. <laughs> 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 but other people are like, that's so cool. Like, how did you figure out what equipment to use? And uh, like, what, you know, what made you want to start it? Like people who are inquisitive have great questions. Yeah. Like, how did you learn the editing software, do you have a producer, you know, because a lot of people listen to podcasts, just not about Bravo. Yeah. So they, you know, have their favorite people that they listen to weekly. And so it's, yeah, it's nice. And have you been on a date with a Bravo fan? No. Okay. A lot of mothers who uh, yeah. will watch like, oh, my mom, I think my mom watches that or like, oh, I had surgery and I got into Below Deck and I watched like oh, seven seasons. Oh, love a Below Deck. <laughs> they all they do. love a Below Deck. It's the and only so, one. And so I had this theory and they straight guys also love a summer house. They also love a Vanderpump. And I, so I thought I was like, oh, maybe it's because the girls are hotter. Like, and that's why they're watching because like, you know, they're younger and usually fresher and in tighter clothing than the housewives. But then I realized, I think it's because there are straight guys on it. And I think that they need like a bro to identify with like as a way in. And yeah, and that's why you get way more boys watching those shows than housewives. Yeah, that's, I have my, a, that's my current operating theory. No, I believe that. I have a number of friends that are watching Vanderpump from the beginning um, yeah. who kind of weren't into it before but kind of want to know what's going on. One of them is pregnant, so she's like, please give me something to watch Like as I'm getting exactly, into Exactly, all bed. in, got nothing but time. <laughs> yeah. And her husband got upset when she started um, watching a couple of the episodes without him. He's like, wait, what happened with Lisa? And, you know, and she's like, wait, I didn't know you were following this. 
<laughs> yeah, you were actually paying attention. You weren't just playing fantasy football on your phone. <laughs> so he's gotten really into it too. So she's like, okay, it's like our thing now. Like if I'm not feeling well, I'll just like get into bed and we turn on Vanderpump Rules. So I think, I do think that there is um, the shock value of what happened this season with Scandaval. You yes. miss if you didn't watch it over a 10-year period. Absolutely, yes. You're absolutely correct. Well, and, yeah, and I feel like this is like the payoff like this we put in all this work especially in those like dark (laughs) seasons with fucking danica and whoever the fuck and yeah when when there when there was a funeral for schwartz's lizard like doug we like sat through and now it's yeah because you really need to know the complex dynamics and the all the ins and outs of it to really get it and and that's what i think makes vanderpump a great show even when it's bad is that this is clearly a group of people who spend time together and are friends together and even when they're not filming they're at each other's houses they're going on trips they're doing whatever and yeah there might be people who aren't on the show with them too hanging out but yeah, to me, that makes it so much realer, so much better than some of the other franchises, which, dare I say, are struggling a bit these days. Well, I have a theory. About? Summer House and Vanderpump Rules. Only one can be good at a time. We've <gasps> never, ever had Vanderpump Rules be good when Summer House also was good. Summer House was in its heyday when Vanderpump Rules was struggling. Sucked. You're absolutely correct. And we got Summer House because of Vanderpump. Remember, they like did one to the other. They're forever tied. And it's like a wheel. And one's on top and one's on the bottom. But I mean, Vanderpump is so on top right now that Summer House is going to suck for like 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. Well, let's talk about Summer House. I've got some questions for you. Yeah. Um, well, so I, one other thing before yes. we finish this discussion oh, about yeah. Vanderpump and Summer House is I have this other theory that like Bravo is good at the 20s, like when everyone's crazy and partying and Bravo's good at like the 40 plus like housewives. We have our family. We're starting businesses, whatever. When it's in their 30s, like in that middle zone lousy like the getting engaged getting married having kids years never good on bravo i don't i don't know why but that's how it seems to me so that's what we needed tom sandoval to turn 40 to have a midlife crisis (laughs) to save the show he so his public profile says he's 39 he said that he turned 40, so he's been lying about his age. And then James, if you caught it in the first part one of the reunion, said, you're 42. So what is – maybe we need to call the hospital he was born at. <laughs> I mean, can we get into those records? Uh, I, my sister-in-law w- graduated from high school with Jason Couchy, a.k.a. Jax Taylor, in Michigan. Did they? Was it like a big school? Did they know each other? They did not know each other. Yeah, but she was like, oh, just casually, like, oh yeah, I know, like, oh yeah, we went to school together, and I was like, hold the phone. (laughs) 
Wild. So, yeah, anyway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. So many, so many thoughts at this moment. And you know, we'll get into it, but I, I do think it kind of the thread between Summer House and probably all of these shows is a couple weeks ago, I had a woman named Andrea Ashley on my podcast, and she mm-hmm. has a podcast called Adult Child, which is short for Adult Children of Dysfunctional Families. And okay. she made the argument that a number of these people on these shows grew up in alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional yeah. homes and have these what they call the 14 traits which are characteristics of children who grew up in these homes and become adults and i think one of the best examples of it is actually tom schwartz you know like inability yes. to make de- decisions um you know when people are arguing kind of hiding away you know kind of um finding people to be in relationships with and recreate relationships with and hoping for a different outcome, you know, those kinds of things. And I'm wondering, we know a little bit more about some of the background of Vanderpump Rules. They've been on longer. We did some deep dives. A number of them grew up in households that had domestic violence, we found, and there's records of it and stuff. For Summer House, we know some of the stuff. Like, we know that Carl's parents had a pretty yeah. rough divorce, that his father cheated on his mother, that his brother had a pretty serious drug problem, that he had a drug problem. But we don't know as much about the, like, what was going on when he was growing up. And then we yeah. know sort of Lindsay's mom abandoned her family. And yeah, and... Yeah, to me, that, like, writes the whole book about Lindsay. Same with Kenya Moore. It's, like, writes the whole book about Kenya. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, what is the story with Danielle? What is the story with Paige? What is the story with Amanda? You know, Paige and Amanda seem to have parents that are still married, that still love each other. They seem to be kind of like upper class. But they are choosing partners that seem to have issues with alcohol and other substances. Craig admitted to having an issue. Like what what's going on there? Um, That's very interesting because Kyle, what we know about Kyle's family is they seem to be very like the parents are together. They go to family reunions together. Um, Yeah, it all seems like way more normal than any of the Vanderpump kids. But also, I think that the, the thing about the Vanderpump kids is they're all they were also all aspiring famous people. Like if it wasn't on reality, it was something else. Whereas I feel like some of the summer house people, particularly like Carl, Kyle, Lindsay, Danielle, the people who were around in the early years where they were kind of like, let's give it a shot. Let's try this stupid ass thing. No one's going to fucking see it. And then it ended up becoming a thing like Amanda. Amanda didn't know what she was signing up to. She was just dating Kyle. And then, you know, yeah. So I wonder if that like makes any difference. I think it does because they're not, they weren't seeking fame. Fame found them. And I do believe that Lindsay would be famous in some way, shape, or form, regardless. She's just someone for whom it's hard to look away from, you know? And those, she's got a star. (laughs) Star power, but I really would like to know about Danielle's childhood because her behavior this season is so confusing to so many of the viewers. And we just don't understand, like, why can't she articulate how she's feeling? Why can't she put together a clear, concise 
like argument of why yes. she's upset. Yes. And I wonder how much of that too is the, as I like to call them bedsore sisters, you know, like Maya Sierra, Amanda page, like in her ear about Danielle being a bad friend, all the, or uh, Lindsay being a bad friend all these years, because I feel like the pattern on the show is new girls show up. Lindsay treats them like shit. And they all like grow to not like Lindsay. And Lindsay's usually like hanging out with the guys and Danielle and the girls all kind of like bond together. And so, and we really saw that this year when Danielle and Lindsay started having trouble and there was that one weekend where Lindsay wasn't there and Paige is, is talking to Danielle, like you don't need to go for her as hard as you do. Like you're, you know, you're a better friend to her than she is to you, you know? And, and, maybe because she couldn't quite articulate it because she was being swayed by someone else's argument. Does that make sense? Maybe. But then what she did say at the reunion that actually made sense to me is I think she was concerned about the state of the relationship between Carl and Lindsay, that it wasn't as good, that they had some serious problems with Lindsay's drinking and Carl being sober, so much so that there was an explosive fight where he took an Uber for $400 all the way from the Hamptons to the city. That's a pretty serious thing. If I had friends that got in a fight like that and a couple weeks later got engaged, I would be concerned as well. Like, are you guys actually working through this issue or is the ring and all of the hoopla around a wedding kind of a Band-Aid for some of the deeper issues that are going on? But she didn't talk about it in that way. And she didn't, you know, and then if she were to have brought it up to them, whether on or off camera, they would have said, we know it's a problem. We agree it's a problem. We're also concerned about it. And we're in couples therapy and we're working on it. Yeah. Or, right. Well, so um, uh, one of my brothers married a woman who used to be in a relationship with a, another woman. And, you know, like, who cares? Sexuality is a spectrum, whatever. But it was the kind of thing, like, when he was like, oh, we're engaged, where I was like, have you discussed this? <laughs> like, have you talked <laughs> yeah. about it? And that's kind of what I said. I was like, I know she was whatever. Have you talked about it? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. And I was like, that's all I need to know. You know what I mean? And But I feel like even if Danielle had done that and Lindsay was like, no, it's cool. She She wasn't taking no for an answer. And I feel like it's because there was this uh, kind of triumvirate dynamic between the three of them and then she just got taken out of it and then i think that she felt left out because of that in general and then there's also like the show aspect where danielle has always been the Lindsay whisperer and if carl is the new Lindsay whisperer then do we even need danielle but also it seems like carl doesn't want to be on the show anymore and is kind of doing it for Lindsay because Lindsay has like doubled down on i'm going to be a reality star and so yeah i feel like the the reason she couldn't articulate it is because it's kind of like overdetermined with like all these different things like all playing into each other so it's hard to be like you did x and now i feel y because it's this kind of like stew of resentment and you know whatever else i don't know i'm just just, making up at this point (laughs) what's hard though is that she really thought that like the audience would see her point of view and 
And that is what's so shocking to me is that not only did she not like articulate why she was acting a certain way, she has not yet to this point apologized for her behavior, particularly like with Lindsay's friends and family at an engagement, making the engagement all about her. Unforgivable. And like when I saw that and Lindsay, you know, because uh, um, I was at BravoCon and that was after the summer had, it was in October. So it was after the summer. Right after. We had seen it. Yeah. And yeah. And Lindsay was like, yeah, I don't know if we can. It was really bad, blah, blah, blah. And like all season, I was like, really, you can't mend this until that engagement party. And then I was like, if my friend did that to me, I would never, I'd done, done so. The thing that I thought was also an offense that you don't come back from was Kyle talking about Carl being cooked up at work and saying the world needs to know while he's being filmed. I thought that's an unforgivable thing for someone who's supposed to be supportive. But you know what? These people get past so many things that you and I would be like, yeah, I'm cool. Like I don't need that friendship. So. Well, look at fucking Vanderpump. Like, Katie and Tom have to work together. And it's like, yeah. come on. You know, James and Raquel are together. All the, Like, that shit's unnatural. I mean, I want to forgive Kyle because I love him <laughs> so much. But, yeah, um, I agree. But also, I kind of see his point in that I feel like, at least in terms of his relationships and on the show, like Carl seems to want to jump a lot of the steps to be like, I'm a totally different person now. It's not the same as it used to be. And, you know, as you're going through the steps, one of the things is making amends. And I feel like in that moment where they were fighting about work stuff, Carl hadn't gotten to the point yet where he had made amends for that shit with Kyle. And so Kyle was still holding on to those resentments. And maybe Kyle just, maybe Carl thought he made amends, right? But like, does the person who was wronged feel that too? Now, I have to ask you, as someone who is a bit of an insider, you did panels at BravoCon with Lindsay. Do you know exactly what transpired at BravoCon that got Lindsay reprimanded by Andy Cohen for her behavior towards one of his employees? No, not at all. And so I hosted a panel and it was like a bunch of random non-housewives people. So it was like Lindsay and Shep from Southern Charm and Naomi from Southern Charm and Gigi from Shaw's, like whatever. And the one who I really wanted to talk to was Lindsay. She looked amazing. And afterwards, and I was like, oh my God, Lindsay, I saw you once in the Hamptons making out with Carl before he's on the show. And you two look so great together. And I wish you luck and whatever. And she was really nice. And we chatted for a few minutes. And yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, Lindsay was cool. So then when I heard that, I was like, oh, that does not sound great. So yeah, I don't know what transpired. And that wasn't my experience with Lindsay either. Um, Whereas, you know, some of the other people were a little bit frostier. Other people working at BravoCon. Other uh, other of the people who were like on my panel, like weren't as like welcoming. Oh, okay, got it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and yeah, but I didn't see, so there, and at BravoCon, um, there's like a super, super VIP level ticket and they have like a 
at least last year, they had like a special room for them That's to go. That's what I'm and, like, planning to, to get. <laughs> yeah. And so they were kind of using that room as like a green room for all like in between panels. Like, okay, we'll leave you here for a bit because we need you in 45 minutes to go to this other thing. And so you got to see the the Bravo Labs interacting with the fans in a way where they were slightly off duty, let's mm-hmm. say. And, you know, some were nicer than others, whatever. But I saw, like, Luke and Sierra were there and Austin and Craig and some other people. But I didn't see Lindsay. So, yeah, I'd be curious to see how she was with the fans. But it sounds like he was she was really mean to, like, the staff or Andy's assistant or something. Which, yeah, you can always tell a lot about people based on how they treat and- the staff. That was Paige's argument, like how you treat people that can't do anything for you. And that's why I'm judging you. And it sounded like all of the girls, like one of their big issues with Lindsay is that she's really mean and harsh in how she talks to people. And that is the one argument that I actually like understand I'm like, why? Absolutely. Why aren't you talking about this on the show? The the problem with Summer House is they have these rules about like what you can bring up on the show and what you can't. These these Beverly Hills style rules. Like, I can't believe you said it on camera. And Lindsay's like, we're filming a reality show. I don't know that Lindsay would be pissed that someone would bring up an issue on camera. But they are all mad about it. So if you think Lindsay is an asshole and if she did a bunch of shit at BravoCon, bring it up on camera. Clearly, Bravo is breaking the fourth wall right and left. So let's let's hear it. Let's hear why you actually dislike Lindsay. Stop pretending to be friendly with her throughout the whole season and then throw daggers at the reunion. It's hard for us as an audience to follow. You're absolutely correct. And I feel like... Lindsay is playing a different game than everyone else in the house. Like, you know, Paige and Sierra and Maya and Amanda, like I, I enjoy spending time with them. I think they're great, but they don't want to get out of bed, you know? And like, <laughs> Lindsay is here to bring the drama and they're not, you know, pick it. So I can also understand how Lindsay's like, I'm carrying the show. Like I am giving you a job because you won't do anything. So I can see kind of like both sides of this. But, yeah, that's always been Lindsay's M.O., is that she, whenever anyone new comes in, she treats them like crap. She's done it to everyone. And, you know, the thing I love about Lindsay is, I don't know if you've ever lived in New York, but there's a very specific type of New York PR girl of which Lindsay is the platonic ideal. And yeah, and they treat people like crap. They're like there with a clipboard being like, no, you can't come to this party, you know? And and so I get Lindsay, I think, in a sort of stereotypical way. It's like the um, Senate staffer, the stereotypical Senate staffer. Yes. That like, if you live in D.C., you know, uh, you're like, oh, okay, I know who yeah. this person is. They're, they're like, committee but, like, staff. Even... They're not, yeah. they're not the the personal office there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you, it's like, I know you, like, I don't even need to talk to you. I know you. Right. You know? And that's how I've always felt with Lindsay. But and, I'm and friends with a yeah. number of people like that. And sometimes they just have a hard exterior 
and you just yeah. have to not let it get to you. And it's not yes. really about you. It's sort of about them and what they feel they need to project. And I think these women like just take so much personally. Now, um, and before we, oh, question. This whole story about Carl and Lindsay leaking stuff to the press. And by press, I mean, we mean sh- people like you. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, uh, to be fair, I don't do a ton of that gossip stuff, but also I would take it if they were to DM Like me, you would I put would it in the Institute Bulletin. You know what I mean? We're not 100%. talking like, right? So it yeah. sounds like Craig got too drunk. This doesn't sound like beyond Craig, right? And something happened no. at the wedding. And I think Paige, and this is so funny, both Paige and Amanda are more upset that people know about shit about their partners like that Kyle cheated or that Craig got too drunk and had to get thrown out then they're more upset at the people who brought that to light than they are at their partners for their partner's behavior well because I yeah I wonder exactly what Craig did at the wedding like cheating is bad obviously but like getting too drunk at a wedding and making a fool out of yourself like it I mean, sounded like most of us been there. He got in an argument with her family. So it was at her family's house was the oh. wedding and some some sort of thing transpired between Amanda's family members and Craig where maybe he was inside the home. And, I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. You know, so it's just um, interesting. Like, do, you know, and then what was funny is that we found out later that Craig is the one that leaked all the stuff about Winterhouse and Luke when it was filming so that we all thought that Luke was going to have some like horrific storyline that no one could come back from. And then we watched it play out and we're like, OK, that I mean that wasn't great, but this isn't something you can't come back from. I I will say I don't necessarily believe them, but I have also heard some rumors from well-placed sources that uh, we might not have seen the full story about what transpired with Luke on the last season of Winterhouse. Oh. And that might be part of the reason why he wasn't uh, entirely welcome back at Summer House. And Carl and Lindsay weren't there at Winter House, and they're the ones that are closest to Luke. Yeah. So they, like, wouldn't um, know exactly what happened. Yeah, I feel like they would know if what I heard is true. Oh, dear. Oh, and I'm I'll such a Luke later. apologist. <laughs> well, oh, well. <laughs> um, Can't love but, him anymore. Um, but, uh... Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. They all played this leak to the press game. I mean, and so, and Lindsay was in PR. Like, she knows how to do this better than anybody. She probably knows a shit ton of journalists, you know, whatever. And I know that we're all on, you know, I'm just a DM away. Yeah. So, like, being like, oh, you leaked to the press, like, whatever. Who fucking cares? Um, I, I would be more worried if someone were leaking lies about me to the press than if, you know, then someone truth. were just like, yeah, leaking shit that happened. Like, who cares? But yeah, and and that page doesn't use the press. I mean, come on. Like, they're all in the attention business and they know how to get attention. And sometimes it's getting attention at the expense of others. And also, 
gossip reporter trick number one is, okay, I won't report this story about Craig being drunk at the wedding if you tell me a better story. And yeah. then Craig says, okay, well, Austin got three girls pregnant. And then you're like, great. <laughs> and then you go to Austin and be like, I heard you got three girls pregnant. And he's like, well, Paige is a cannibal. And then you're like, great. <laughs> Run it. Headline, Paige DeSormo eats people. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, this is the whole right Prince Harry argument about yeah. – you know, the the press and the royal family and the killing stories and, and leaking stories. And so I guess this is just, you know, the summer house, southern charm, Vanderpump Rules version. Well, and so I will say I did a, uh, some research with like gossip reporters and people who have written about housewives and stuff for my book. And then for like space reasons and whatever bullshit, it ended up not like making it. But, you know. Fans are always like, oh, this has to be Carl, this has to be Lindsay, this has to be Paige, like, because you see the people on the show. But what they don't know is, like, some of these publications essentially have producers on retainer to be like, to to send them what's going on. And that there are producers who don't make a lot of money, they're freelancers, and they get paid for, like, good scoops. And so, yeah, so if... You know, everyone's like, who leaked the Ariana thing to TMZ? If Ariana called production to be like, here's what's happened happening, TMZ's paying for stories. And I would be like, hello, TMZ. It's Brian Moylan. Get out the checkbook, bitch. <laughs> yep. Oh, my so, gosh. Like, so, I mean, I'm not saying that that's what happened in any of these cases. But I'm just saying that when you're considering this stuff, remember that there are a lot of other people who stand to benefit. Yes. And who are around, who know these things that aren't just the people on the shows. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to do a quick rapid fire of questions so that we can get to Jersey and Vanderpump rules. All right. I'm ready. And maybe the Jersey will, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's just so repetitive, but okay. Summer house, Martha's vineyard. It feels like the challenge at this point, (laughs) like, or like survivor, like people are getting voted off the Island right and left. Oh my God. When they kicked that dude out because he took a poop in the toilet and didn't flush it. I was like, you people are not playing around. Yeah. Um, It's crazy. At first when I was, I watched the first episode and I was like, you are all trying way too hard and I didn't like it. But now I'm kind of like in the rhythm of it. But yeah, it's crazy. I don't so, know what's Do you going think on. it made it sound? So I was watching Jordan on Watch What Happens Live, and she said they told us to do a vote. Is that production saying, hey, if someone's uncomfortable, you guys can vote? And then, and then they maybe got the idea that that's what they're going to do for everyone. <laughs> like, how did we get to this point? It's so wild. It's crazy. Yeah, but also, like, that guy shows up and was such a drunk asshole. I'd be like, I'm not spending two weeks with this dude. I would have kicked him out, too. And I think that if you you lay hands on somebody, you're out is a good rule for all of these shows. But I don't feel like she laid hands. I think she just got really close. I thought she kind of, like, pushed her. It was not 
in a way that I've, I felt like you could come back from that kind of a thing. Like it didn't feel like something that they couldn't just sit down and talk through. Right. To me. I I agree. I agree. And then I also, yeah, yeah. I I, I also do think it's good to have a firm boundary. boundary for all these shows to just be like, this doesn't fly. That's fair. And then, um, you know, now with Bria wanting to bring Simon, her white German boyfriend, do you think the reason they don't want him there is his race or just that it's like we didn't sign up for the show for you to have him here for six days? I think some of each, because unlike most of the other show shows with predominantly black casts. Uh, There's something about this show specifically that seems like it's rooted in a kind of blackness, which I enjoy about it. And it's saying like, here's this place. It's a haven for black people, black history, you know, whatever. Um, And, and a lot of these people from the get-go, when I was saying they're trying real hard, seem to have an agenda in terms, like an Ebony K. Williams, like, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that that's what it seems like. And then you have this white dude showing up and it's like, yeah. And then also Bria showed up with that dog. She didn't tell anybody about, (laughs) she didn't tell anybody about the boyfriend. Like if you come to my house that I organized and you're like, oh, can my boyfriend come in a week? I'd be like, no, fuck you. There's no room. Right. So, I like even regardless (laughs) of the so I do think that the race probably is like one of three strikes, but he's got two other strikes. Yeah, I feel like some of these conversations are like internal to the black community. And we as like non black people watching it must be frustrating to like the black audience. That's like this is like a conversation that we have behind closed doors that like you shouldn't be witnessing like as a Jew we have similar conversations about like marrying other Jews and like all of that kind of stuff that when non-Jews get involved it spirals because people don't understand like all of the nuance related to it and I believe that's some of what happened on the new Roni um (laughs) yeah it's like these are delicate conversations that need to be had very delicately and with good intentions and not everyone shows up that that way and I'm not sure that Bria was showing up with good intentions either with that conversation I also feel like you know this is clearly a group of friends that know each other there's like loose connections and I feel like maybe if a couple of these people had um, met him, like knew him, then that maybe would be, be like, totally oh, okay, different. no, he's cool, he's cool. But then it's like, oh, here's some like weird white guy who we don't know who, who <laughs> like, wants to show up. Not just up. white, German. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's like a whole uh, and then other. <laughs> Jasmine, is that her name, who organized the house? Yeah. Yeah. So I also feel like Jasmine wants the show to be a hit. And you could tell from the get-go, she was like, "Who? which boys are you interested in? Oh, which girls are you interested in? Like, she's trying to get the hookups going. She's yeah. trying to get the drunk. She's trying to make a summer house. And Bria having this weird white boyfriend and then Nick having a girlfriend that nobody knew about and whatever else is not helping 
Jasmine make the show she wants to make. <laughs> and I think she's mad about it. Totally. Um, something I'm mad about is the season of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. I feel like it's such a flop and I basically can't get through episodes. I've tried five times to finish this week's episode. It's Maybe it's because there wasn't enough Drew, and I appreciate Drew on the show. She is interesting. What? Yeah, I find her interesting to watch. I feel like I'm oh. watching, like, the, I, I like watching the before the divorce to, like, look for the, like, cookie crumbs to see, yeah. wh- like, how much was cookie she... Cookie crumbs? Like- Girl, she... <laughs> Ralph was leaving cookie cake. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like she came I in mean, so hard this season being like we're better yeah. now and i'm like okay let me see like how much are you willing this and how much is it your blinders like are they real blinders are they blinders just because there's cameras like i'm trying to kind of figure that all out everyone else like i they all hate each other to a point that like more than summer house yeah and more like Potomac is getting this way too where like you can tell Candace feels like a hostage like Candace feels like she does not want to be there she has no interest in doing this but she knows she needs it for like the hype and the attention and she's just miserable being with these women and you feel it yeah it's this group is bad and I this is what's so crazy to me, and I feel like it's across, an across-the-housewives problem. And um, I think we've seen it on Orange County for many years. We're seeing it on Atlanta now. We saw it on New York, where it's as the shows get older, they start to get creakier, and it's like they don't really have connections, but some of them do because they've been on the show for a long time. And like you said, they all have their rules, and they all have their little like ways of dealing with things. And yeah, they just get kind of stale. So I'm curious if the reboot of Real Housewives of New York is a bit of a test balloon, and it's like okay, if we can like revitalize this keep Sonia and Lou on their own show and like in the orbit but bring in new groups of people if they're going to start doing that in other places you know because like look at Atlanta Kenya Moore Candy Burris Marlo Hampton like these are top tier housewives same with Orange County Tamra Shannon Bedore uh Heather Dubrow, like, these are great housewives. Like, why can't we get a series to work? And that's what, you know, I've had a hard time diagnosing for a number of years. For Atlanta, I think it's because Marlo has said a few things that are so below the belt that Kenya and Candy will not deal with her anymore like they just don't fuck with her and because they don't fuck with her and they're kind of like the queens of the show the show is not working i i I think you're absolutely right and then but then like marlo going and you haven't seen the end of the episode yet no i did i did i watched it okay finally she goes and like bangs on kenya's door and like kenya's reaction uh, maybe though a little over the top totally warranted like, yeah, are you fucking drunk and banging on her door in the middle of the night when her daughter's there? Like, you're crazy. Marlo is wait. Marlo takes everything to like she yes. 
to a point that's just not fun. And and she's uh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about Atlanta yeah. anymore. Okay, Jersey. Okay, my biggest thing I'm interested in is not Teresa versus Melissa, but Danielle and her brother. And I want to yes. run a couple theories by you. Okay. Oh, I'm here. Okay, okay. so uh, Donnie from um, I Am The Cute One podcast has a theory that because this happened in 2020, that maybe it was something related to like the vaccine and right. Okay, so my theory is she said, I have not spoken to him since August. In August, it'll be three years. So August of 2020, there was no vaccine candidate. Right. So like okay. if it's COVID related, it's maybe, oh, you weren't masking, but like people weren't really arguing about masks as much then, you know, it was much more. Yeah. Anyways, I think it's election related. Uh... Like, is there an or George Floyd something uh, like related to all of that? But that was yeah. like May of 2020, June of 2020, August. Is, the, is there something that she said is... Is Danielle's brother and his new wife feel very different politically than Danielle and is like a support of Donald Trump something that they're like, we will not stand for? I, I don't I don't know. But it's like 2020 was fraught with so many kind of oh, big social <laughs> like families having arguments about like really yeah. big issues like what Girl, what we're is all your trapped in the fucking theory? house losing right. our minds it was horrible especially like, in london yeah. where you guys had like <laughs> actual rules <laughs> i mean yeah but like not everyone was paying attention to him either so well, not but the also, prime minister like, but <laughs> yeah no everyone. the rest of us but it was also different here yeah because like the mass, like, no one ever asked us to wear masks outside, first of all. And, like, it never became, like, a thing. It's also English people. They just, like, do what they're told. And so they did what they were told, which was, you know, stay in your house. But, yeah, it never became, like, a am not wearing a mask. And, oh, you're not wearing a mask. And you voted for Donald Trump. And, you know, it never became, like, virtue But, yeah, I, so I haven't done any reading, any research, anything on the brother. Me neither. Uh, yeah. But so do we think that Danielle would be like the pro Trump anti vaccine one? Maybe. That, I don't know. Also, I feel like from Danielle, this is a great this is an excellent theory, uh, by, first of all. But <laughs> what I what's been weird to me is like. Danielle must have some idea what is what is going on. Like, the brother must have said, like, oh, you love Trump, and so I'm not talking to you. And, you know, for Danielle to report back to us, oh, he's mad because I like Trump, but I think that's fine, you know, whatever. We've never heard any intimation of his side of the argument and what it might be. And so that's what makes me curious, is that I feel like Danielle... This I think this is what the women were getting to is that, you know, more than you're letting on. Like, you know, more of a reason why he's not talking to you than you blocked him on Instagram. That seems like the last straw in a, you know, something. Yeah. So yeah. a good brother sister relationship wouldn't end this way from one small thing. And 
and also, I've, yeah, the mother is taking Danielle's side, which makes me think the brother might be the crazy one. Could be. Or the brother's wife is like, this is a boundary. I will not engage yes. with her. If you want to keep me, you know, you can't have a relationship with her. And it could be something as much as like Danielle takes up too much attention. She makes everything about herself. She wore white to my wedding. She whatever it is, you know, yes. and I could see That's Danielle so- doing all of those things. Yeah, someone had that theory. Um, and this happened to a friend of mine, too, where her like, future sister-in-law wanted to be way more involved in the like planning and uh, implementing of the wedding than she wanted her to be. And that kind of caused a bit of tension between the two families. So yeah, I feel like the fact that it was around the brother's wedding is also one of the telltale signs of what was probably happening. Yeah. In terms of the Melissa versus Teresa, I felt that Melissa came out looking much better at the end of this part one, where she was like, here are some receipts. Like, absolutely. You know, and, and to her credit, her children have never spoken negatively about Teresa on, on camera. We don't have any footage of that, but we have footage of all four of Teresa's daughters talking shit about Melissa and Joe. And so, except for the one who's like a silent serial killer, the the 12 year old who was like, I'm 12. When she was like, are you going to bring a date to the wedding? She's like, mom, I'm 12. (laughs) No, it's the second one. This Gabriella, I think it's her name. Adriana. No, Adriana is the youngest. Okay. Gabriella. I think it's Gia, Gabriella, Melania, Melania Adriana. Adriana. Okay. Yes. No, yeah, and then there's the second one who doesn't look like any of them. And who, she gets, like, doesn't like to be on camera. She doesn't like it. She gets very flustered and yeah. Yeah. But any um, thoughts on. But no, you're, abs- you're absolutely right about the receipts. Is that yeah. like Teresa just says like, you never did this. And then Melissa's like here's example one, here's example two, here's example three. Like, Teresa's just, like, making shit up. I don't know. She has her own version, and it's real to her. That's what I believe. I do believe she thinks it's real to her. You're probably not wrong. I do think some of this is the Louis influence. In that, that when... yeah. When that scene of them in bed where he's like, if I was in a pit of snakes, you'd grab me, right? Like, I feel like Louie is being like, oh, well, they never invited you to dinner. And so she's saying, you're right. They never invited me to dinner. And now she's using these things. And that's why she can't back them up because because they're like implanted rather than real. That makes sense. Oh, my God. I feel like there's a lot of. You know, there's a lot of smoke around Louie. Like, we haven't seen fire yet, but it's not looking good. But at the same time, if she chooses to marry Louie, like, you cannot tell her, no, she's an adult. Like, it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to either you support your sister or and I just think the whole like Melissa cheating rumor. I don't know why she's so upset about it. And I don't under well, okay. Melissa's so upset about it. Yeah, I don't understand why she's so upset with the fact that Louie and Teresa had a conversation with Joe alone. Because if I heard that my sister in law was cheating on my brother, I would want to have a conversation with my brother alone, probably, and just say, "Hey, just so you know, I've heard this. Like, 
you do with it in your marriage what you want, but like I wanted to tell you alone. I think the problem is the credibility of the source. And that yeah, it's like true. Marge's ex friend who has access to grind, who wants to be on the show, like all this shit that like as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. This is nothing yeah. here. And I think that that's if there was some credible thing, like Teresa was like, Dolores saw Melissa leaving a motel room like in the middle of the day. Then you call your brother. Like, you don't call your brother over some bullshit. And that's fair. And that's, I think, what's so annoying is that Teresa's like, you didn't have my back against Marge when she was talking shit about Louis. But Marge wasn't talking shit about Louis. And there was nothing to, like, have your back about. Like, Marge was trying to help Louis, whatever. But then, at the same token, the first stupid rumor that comes out about Joe and Melissa, she's like, oh, this has to be true. You know, like, and also I feel like for Melissa, it's the same story over and over again. It's like Teresa tried with the stripper. She tried with the ex-boyfriend. It's like, and that's what I think annoyed Melissa is the relentlessness of it. It's like Teresa's just trying the same tricks over and over again. And it's all fucking fake. And that's, I think that that's what, what wore Melissa down is she's like, Nothing is going to change her. Nothing is going to fix this. She's just going to keep doing the same bullshit over and over again. And I'm done. And I think that is a very valid response. Yeah. I. Who do you think is not going to come back? Well, that was my question to you was if you're Andy Cohen, uh, even though lots of other people help make these decisions, but for the sake of argument, you're Andy Cohen. What do you do for the next season of New Jersey? I might try it without Teresa. Like, I know everyone thinks that, but I'm, let's see what happens. Like, can we get, you know, people, okay, here's my theory. On Selling Sunset, everyone thought that Christine was the one that brought the storyline and brought the drama. And we thought, what's going to happen on season six when they don't have Christine? And it's, in my opinion, the best season that they've had yet, because there's like so many changing dynamics between people that actually seem like they're friends. And there's room for multiple villains and multiple whatever. And I'm wondering if you remove Teresa, are we going to be able to find some cracks in Dolores and Marge's friendship, right? I saw Marge roll her eyes when Dolores said that Polly was not divorced yet. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is there something between Melissa and Rachel Fuda? Like, you know, like, let's let's give it some space. They don't seem to have a like preconceived like Beverly Hills. Like we're never going to we're best friends or we're never going to go after each other on camera yeah. sort of a thing. Um, yeah. And I would love to see Jen at Aiden with some other allies. Yeah, I love Jen That's Aiden. That's just good. Yes. And she's like in Teresa's shadow and Teresa is sort of like a one trick pony. She's like says the same things over and over again. And I'm not entertained by it. I'm not a big Melissa fan. Like I don't like either of them. I think they're all fucked up. But, you know, let's see. And maybe, you know, just like Vicky Gunvalson, sometimes you just need to peg someone down and let them know that like you actually don't control stuff. Um, yes. The only and, OG. And she needs that more than anybody. And the only OG that actually doesn't try and control stuff is Kyle. I feel yeah. like all of the other OGs are like making these demands 
on production and on Andy, I won't film with this person. You have to do it this way. And Kyle's like, I'll show up even if you ruin my family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I also, I think Kyle tries to control things on camera. Like we see her producing like in the moment, like asking the questions and like doing whatever, which I could see you getting annoyed with that too. But yeah, it's very different from Teresa being like, it's my show. It's yes. like Jax Taylor. As soon as you're like, it's my show, you need to be like, no. No. Because we've seen from everybody who's left that the franchise is bigger than the stars. Like, you know, Bethany, other than her TikToks, hasn't been able to get anything off the ground since she left. Nene Leaks, I mean, same thing, you know? And so I feel like the same would be true for Teresa. You take her away. Yeah, but I think that the thing about New Jersey is, unlike all the other shows, it's been about families. And, like, and and you need, like, I feel like there needs to be some family. So, like, do you get Danielle's crazy sister-in-law and have that on? Do you get some of Jen Aiden's family going? Like, the Jen Aiden family fascinates me. And also, when I see Jen with her family, I love her. And when I see Jen with a group, I fucking cannot stand her. So I wonder if there's, you know, and having it be a bunch of Turkish people, I think would be good to bring into the mix. I mean, I don't know. I think that there, but I think I might be team fire them both. I'm actually totally fine with both of them being gone. Like, I don't want to see Joe Gorga again. I think he thinks it's his show too. He yeah. is the two of them and the, for them to say they care about family is such bullshit because if you really did, you would leave the show and you would try to fix the family. You know, the show yes. is only ruining it. But e- but both of you have doubled down on the show. So stop saying that you care about family. Uh, well, and I have never seen. We have never seen a family go on one of these shows and end well. It's like Joe and Teresa, Dina and Caroline, Kyle and Kim and Kathy. Yeah. Like every time you show up with a family, it seems to be bad news. I mean, yeah. I bet those crazy fucking twins still talk to each other. Remember them? <laughs> the twins on Summer House? No, the twins oh. on New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey. Remember that season with the twins? Yeah. Oh, those twins on Summer House definitely still talk to each other. They have an Instagram account, even though they live separately. But oh, God. I oh, sometimes God. like to check in. On the work is twins. And on the work is twins. See how they're doing. You know. Okay. Vanderpump rules. Oh, my God. I how much have, time do we have? <laughs> we have, do you have like 20 more minutes? Oh, my God. I have all fucking day for Vanderpump rules. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's just dive in. So I want to go one by one. The, the, the people on the show. Lala. Okay. So we hear how she felt like such a fool after her relationship with Randall ended. This was like the best look for her because she never shows vulnerability. A hundred percent. Best. When she calls Sandoval a narcissist and he makes this like under his breath comment about how she pulled out her IUD the day that she found out Stassi was pregnant um, making it seem like she didn't want Stasi to have all the attention being pregnant, that she too had to do it. I mean, that was a shocking thing from Sandoval because like we we all knew that they said they wanted to get pregnant together. Yeah. And well, and also 
it seemed rehearsed. Like that's a yes, line. Everything that's like he with does is rehearsed. Yeah. That's like, you know, and, and I, from what I've talked to more, I, I, more housewives, I never really did too much research into Vanderpump rules when I was doing the book, but um, from the housewives I talked to like, yeah, they're obviously preparing and like writing their reads you know, before the thing so that when they show up, they could be like, oh, you pulled your eye. Yeah. But that was below the belt. I I felt the same way about when Candace said to Giselle, like you and your shriveled up uterus or like whatever. Oh, that like, was shitty. I, yeah. Like, I feel like there are some, you know, I love a good mean read. I love a worm with a mustache. Like that seems like the right level of petty. But yeah, that was way over the line james kennedy and i don't love lala either and i think lala and katie both are way over the line a lot of times when lala's always like you're a hoe and you're this and you're that and like oh god lala she can be frustrating james kennedy now everyone seems Um, excuse me DJ James. Oh, sorry. I'm so Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. DJ James Kennedy. So everyone seems okay with him, but the actual facts that are being brought up are very concerning. He has called multiple people's mothers fat. Um, So he, that is always his go-to insult. Always. Always. It's so old. It's also Candace's go-to insult. And it's, it's, like, bleh. um, but more concerning than calling people fat in my mind was that he was at this gig with Sandoval and Schwartz in Atlantic City, and he got so drunk that he grabbed a waitress's ass and he got kicked out, and the waitress had to sign some sort of like legal document saying that she wouldn't sue the institution that she was working at. Um, this seemed to get brushed under the rug and it was all under the guise of like his drinking, which I don't think he would do this sober. But at the same time, like this is a serious offense. Well, and we, and this is what frustrated me a little bit about the reunion in general is, and Tom said this, like, Oh, my cheating is a get out of jail free card for the rest of you because you know, Tom brings this up and everyone just goes, well, you fucked Raquel. And like, but Tom, I do think that Sandoval's point is valid in that. Yes, him and short, you know, I assume it was some kind of like hosting, quote unquote, hosting gig where you go, you drink with fans, they get to talk to you, whatever. And I think that, you know, they're all like, oh, you guys drink too much. Well, there is a difference between them drinking too much, drinking all the time, hanging out with fans, whatever. And James getting so drunk and belligerent that he's grabbing waitresses' asses, he's getting in fights, he's losing jobs over it. Like, we've seen James do all of these things. Like, we've seen James get fired from his fake television job for being too drunk, you know? And so, yeah, yeah, I do think that there is, you know, I'm not saying James is alcoholic. You know, I don't know what his personal circumstance is, but we do need to differentiate between you know how they're behaving when they're drunk which is you know maybe stupid and a little bit fighty and james behaving how he's drunk which is a salty yes you know yes and while the 
former may still lead to like, I think next week someone gets called a drunk and I don't think it's James. Um, I, I think there may be like unhealthy relationships with alcohol that are leading to possible health problems with the Toms. I, I do believe that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like they're just like, yeah, it's no big deal. I'm like in my 40s and I'm still drinking like I'm 23. And that's like, you're like, wow, that's, you know, now you have two decades of alcohol abuse and like organs are going to start to fail at this point. You know, like this isn't funny. And I know you guys. So so then it's like, oh, we're going to do mushrooms instead. And it's like, oh, dear God, guys. Like, like, (laughs) yeah. Well, and, and, and I do think that there seems to be like Kyle Cook, Kyle Cook is a binge drinker, yes, but he seems like he gets wasted for the show. It's like the weekend and I'm wasted. And like, but then during the week, I'm sober, I'm running a business, I'm doing my shit. You know, that seems to me, maybe not great, but healthier. Whereas it seems like the Toms are drinking all the time. Like they whether can't or not the go, cameras he are can't there go five not. days. Tom Sandoval can't go five days to give a sperm sample with no alcohol. I mean, so it and with James without cookies. (laughs) (laughs) With James, who am I? Who am I? There definitely is a problem, and everyone knows there's a problem. James knows there's a problem because he stopped drinking for a while. His mother knows there's a problem. She got sober. Uh, you know, Lala knows there's a problem, but she wants to be on this journey with James until he decides to come to the conclusion that alcohol just doesn't serve him. And I think he will get there. And she is absolutely correct. But yeah, it's going to be us watching him make the same mistakes. Like, he's going to get drunk and treat Allie like shit one too many times and she's going to be She'll be done. Yeah. Yeah. And and like, and I think it will happen way more quickly than it happened with Raquel, who I think was putting up with a lot for the show. To be on the show. Um, okay. Raquel. (laughs) so much there um i cannot understand how raquel how it took raquel like we saw her saying things like oh i'm starting to have realizations and oh i'm starting to see why people are upset and oh yeah this is not making sense anymore like you're almost seeing her in real time figure it out like when tom's like when she's like, oh, maybe you and Ariana were more intimate than you told me. Oh, maybe you didn't try to break up with her all the times you told me she did. And it's like, okay, I get it. But why did it take you this long? Like, as soon as you fuck Sandoval, you should have been like, oh, shit, what's going to happen when Ariana finds out? You know? And, like, I, I don't think she ever did that work. And she, I don't get She why. needs so much... Um professional support to be able to if you can't read other people's emotions if you can't um understand their emotions and their reactions like that that is like something deeper i'm no expert but i'm glad she's getting some mental health support it does seems like she has some sort of like dependency issues where she attaches like a personality like she you know starts dressing a certain way drinking certain things like all to you know wearing the necklace like she takes on she doesn't have her own identity and i think you know last the first part one 
the biggest takeaway for me is that she had no idea that Sandoval and Ariana were still having sex in their relationship. She literally had no idea. I I truly believe that because that was the only facial reaction that elicited any sort of like actual response. And then in part two, she said, I don't love the way it's coming across about your guy's intimacy. So she confronts Sandoval and he can't get it together to put together a response. So the only thing he says is how Ariana used to put him down so much, which all the examples are like not her putting him down. She's like, I don't really love the green. He's giving options for clothes. And then um, he says, well, now she's being nicer. She said, you know, well, I'm so good at fashion. It's like, So are you saying because you went to therapy and you're working on your relationship and she was being kinder to you that you started having more sex with her? Like, and that's when he has this breakdown where he tells production, I need time alone. I think he's trying to, he's losing control of Raquel because she's starting to have her own, she has other information sources, right? This is prior. It was only him. She was only getting information from him. Now she's seen other people and she's like, wow, I didn't know this. I didn't know that. And he wants to be able to get her alone and right the wrong and fix the narrative and be like, she said this, but what really happened is whatever. And if he does that on camera, he knows that won't look good. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely... You are. It's dark. But also, like, I agree that all makes total sense to me. But I think the worst scene of all of this is in what was supposed to be the finale at the sandwich party at uh, Tom Tom, where Ariana and Raquel are having a very candid conversation about Ariana and Tom's relationship. And she says, like, I'm still here. Like, I'm still in it. Like, I want to make it work. And you know that what Tom was selling Raquel is what he was selling Ariana about Kristen, which is, it's over. We don't like each other. We're about to break up. We can't figure out how to do it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And But I I, I do believe that was true with him and Kristen, based on what we saw, because they were both in a fucking terrible relationship. Uh but not true with him and Ariana. And so, but to me, like she should have known then, like you're, she should have known telling me the truth. She should have known then, but that was in September of 2022. And this is now, um, March, March of 2023. So it's, it's like, she is so, okay. She said, I feel like you wanted to keep the relationship that she felt. So this is this is Raquel talking to Sandoval about Ariana. I feel like she felt you wanted to keep the relationship working because you never broke up with her. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like she this all is just But, what, but Andy was so right when and you can see the Tom Sandoval fingerprints on it when she was talking to him about like, oh, Ariana should have done more, whatever. And he was like, oh, you're blaming Ariana. It's like when Tom was like, she could have followed me and figured out that I was fucking Raquel, you know, like, yeah, they are placing 
a lot of blame on her. But as we're talking about like people's parents and whatever, Raquel's family situation is fucked up. Well, I should say that. No, it is. It is. It is um, different in that her birth mother gave her up to her sister to be raised. Yeah, and so she has a sister who's a cousin and an aunt who's a mother and the mother who's her aunt and, and like And there's ways to do this that are like healthy and all of that. I feel like there's something off with maybe the way it was done with her. Um or that she wasn't given support as a young yeah. girl when she was figuring this out. I yeah. firmly believe that like there is a developmentally appropriate way to talk to children about just about anything. And if you yeah. withhold information from them for a long period of time and you wait until you think they're old enough, they're going to resent you for lying to them. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that that's what happened with her. But the um, thing that I think is a red flag is that they saw that Raquel didn't have a strong sense of self as a young girl. And so the mom suggested, Raquel, you should start doing pageants to get a sense of self. And that indicates to me an issue with her mom thinking that, like, this is the appropriate way. Like, she knew something was wrong with Raquel from a young age. And I don't know that yeah. this has anything to do with Raquel being adopted. I, like this might just right. be, she was born this way, but like the earlier you intervene, you try and figure yes. out what's going on. Is there something, you know, Raquel has openly, she commented on someone's Instagram um, post that was a woman in their thirties who was a former pageant person who had recently been diagnosed with autism and uh, she wrote, like, I can relate. And people got really angry and they said, oh, my God, are you blaming being autistic on, like, sleeping with your friend's partner? And I, it was just, like, the wrong timing. And I don't know about Raquel, anything about, like, diagnoses, but it's clear that right. she has difficulty connecting to other human beings, reading their emotions and reacting in a socially and developmentally appropriate way. And so yes. I just feel like there wasn't this like early intervention when her parents noticed something was off and then they let this go on for so long and they, her whole personality became being a pageant girl and then she failed and then her at personality it. became, right, I want to be famous. I want to be on this show. I want like attention. Well, and that's what was weird to me about this whole thing too is when Sheena's talking about uh, like, from what I could tell, it seemed like Raquel, you know, had parents who were together from a fairly affluent family with resources. Um, you know, not that people with resources aren't fucked up, but, you know, and then Sheena's like, I gave you a place to live and I was paying for your apartment. So it's like... It, why yeah why didn't you go move back in with your parents why couldn't you call your parents for money like yeah that is weird to me also the pageant the miss california usa was a three-day pageant her parents were not there for any of the three days no one in her family showed up for that it was only 
um, Ariana, Tom, and Sheena. Sheena was like, I left my child at home so I could support this woman because her family wasn't showing up to the event. So like something is going on. And now we're hearing that, uh, at least from Tom Sandoval's camp, that the only reason Raquel filed the restraining order was because her family forced her to. And that the reason that she's getting mental health support is her family is forcing her to. And we see this preview for next week or in the long uncut version where Andy's having a chat with her. Do you want to return next season? And she said, I would like to. I'm not sure. I think it's because her family is sort of there. The way Sandoval is making it sound is it's some sort of almost like Britney Spears level, like control, like they're trying to get her to step out of this. Well, I wonder if, uh, so let's play this story out as it were. <laughs> I, I know nothing. I'm making this all up. Okay? okay. This is just conjecture. This is like a, fictional version of Raquel, whatever. Okay. Raquel gets with James, wants to be on the show, wants to be famous, whatever. The family is like, we know something's weird with you, um, but okay, we'll allow it. And it goes on and on and on, whatever. And then James shows up at Thanksgiving, fucking talks shit about the family, is awful. You know, Raquel doesn't break up with him. The family says, you need to break up with this dude. You need to get off the show. This is not good for you. This is not healthy. If you want to stay in this relationship, you want to stay on the show, we're, we're not, we're cutting ties with you. And then that's why Sheena pays for the apartment. That's why they don't show up to the thing, whatever. Scandal happens. Everything collapses. She has no support system. The family swoops back in and is like, okay, we'll help you, but you have to, you have to go to, to a mental health facility and you can't be on the show anymore. And like, and know what? They're probably absolutely correct. Like these shows, as much as I love them, are not good for people. Right. <laughs> you know, they're not like, especially people already on the edge. Like look at Kim Richards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kim Richards should not be on reality television. And like, Jax Taylor, I mean, he's going to fuck up his life one way or another. If he wants to be on reality television, like, who cares? But, like, someone like Raquel, I I can see how this is the road to ruin. And I think maybe her family understands that. Now, I'm going to get so much hate for this, but... (laughs) I love getting hate. I'm happy to help you get any hate. Oh, (laughs) dude. I've been getting hate for the last like two months for an offhand comment I made about state legislatures banning gender affirming care. And (laughs) oh my God, can I tell you about my favorite one that I've gotten recently? Yes. Um, It was, it was, um, it was due to Real Housewives of Miami. And this woman was on all my social media channels being like, Ryan Moylan is ableist and everyone on Twitter knows and they're all talking about him and lambasting him and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ableist? Like, you know, and I'm receptive to these things. I appreciate that I am a member of a misogynistic, racist, ableist society and that I have things inside me that I may not recognize. So I was like, okay, like maybe I did. And so I started like looking at all these ladies' comments about me, trying to figure out what it was. She was mad because I said Adriana DeMora faked spraining her ankle <laughs> on that trip so 
in Real Housewives of Miami. And she goes, you can never know another person's level of pain. And to say that she's faking is akin to eugenics. And then I was like, oh, this bitch is just nuts. <laughs> and then wow. I just walked her from everything. But yeah, I was like, that's what you're mad about? Come on. I had Sophie Ross on the podcast, and I think just like having two liberal Jews talking about housewives triggered this woman because we made a joke about someone getting fired from housewives and was like, it was the week Tucker Carlson got fired. And then we didn't mention Don Lemon getting fired also. So that put this person to the edge. And she called us multi-feline feminist communists. (laughs) <laughs> which like I mean thanks for writing my Twitter bio bitch I know <laughs> <laughs> okay this is what's going to get me canceled so I have no training whatsoever in psychology in therapy and anything I just know the DSM-5 which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual version 5 Um, I'm looking at cluster C personality disorders. I've been thinking about this for years watching Raquel on the show. A lot of people focus on narcissistic personality disorder, which is different than just plain narcissism. Okay. Dependent personality disorder. This, I just feel like this describes Raquel. And I'm not saying I, I cannot diagnose someone, right? But it is shocking how accurate it is. Excessive dependence on others and feeling the need to be taken care of. Submissive or clingy behavior towards others. This is from the Mayo Clinic and the DSM-5. Fear of having to provide self-care or fend for yourself if left alone. Lack of self-confidence requiring excessive advice and reassurance from others to make even small decisions. Difficulty starting or doing projects on your own due to lack of self-confidence. Difficulty disagreeing with others, fearing disapproval. Tolerance of poor or abusive treatment, even when other options are available. And an urgent need to start a new relationship when a close one has ended. I mean, that does have a lot of um, similarities. I'm just saying... I'm glad she's getting support, but I feel like this is something that likely has been a problem for her her, for a long period of time. Yes. And getting support at 28 is very different than getting it at 18, which is very different than getting it at eight years old, which is absolutely correct. I'm sure there was like some noticeable, you know, issues related to her and her childhood. I mean, of course, just the fact that she not only stayed with Sheena, but she didn't replace toilet paper. She um, let the filter and the Brita go moldy. She She, like, (laughs) she apparently hasn't trained the dog. Yes. The dog bit Ariana. Like, I don't think she knows how to function as an independent adult in a way that is kind of scary. And I hope, I don't know. I don't know that being on the show is good for her. I don't know that us sitting here talking about her is, is helping. But if any of you guys notice this behavior in, in children, like 
take action take action early Uh, yeah i will also say though and you know you see this a lot on twitter and like in the comments on my recaps and like other housewives discussions people always being like she's a psychopath she's a borderline personality disorder she's a whatever and you know sometimes that is true but a lot of times these are just bad people like, these are just assholes. <laughs> like, there's not anything wrong with them. They're just jerks. And I mean, like, Ramona Singer, I mean, plenty of, of bullshit in her past, too. But Ramona Singer is just an asshole. Like, yeah. that's my diagnosis. I die. Yeah, I don't think everything is a diagnosis. I think Raquel just, her, uh, her oh. be- behavior in the relationship yeah. with James made me be like, something's yeah. off here. And then hearing all the stuff about how she like couldn't take care of herself was very worrisome like to me. But you're right. Sometimes yeah. people are just fucking assholes. Although I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like there's this thing within a lot of all of us and especially people who watch Bravo who was like, so-and-so is evil. So-and-so is amazing. So-and-so is good. So-and-so is bad. And I just don't believe people are like all good or all bad. So Absolutely. it's a lot easier to talk about behaviors being bad or behaviors yeah. being good because behaviors can change and so like to say that someone at their core you know can't change like all of this could be Sandoval maybe could change like he may if he gets enough help and if he starts recognizing that he is the reason for these problems and that he keeps getting in these long like decades long relationships and then ending them in the exact same way that once you acknowledge something it's easier to figure out how to break the pattern so that's just all no, I'll say. And, well, and that's why uh, when Lala was like, Tom Sandoval is dangerous. I was like, I don't believe Tom Sandoval is dangerous. Tom Sandoval is an asshole and a liar and a cheat. But and and without intervention, we'll probably do it again. Does that make him dangerous? I don't think so. But then you look at Louie. Louie is dangerous. Like, Louie is going to fucking take all of her money and ruin her reputation and, like, destroy this woman's life. It's like Brooks Ayers. Like, Brooks Ayers is dangerous. David Benor is an asshole, you know? And, like, yeah. yeah. And so that's why I was, like, you know, yeah, I don't don't know that Tom Sandoval is dangerous. I have always thought that David Benor was physically violent. Um, you are probably, uh, no, what? I take it back. You're probably, right. I've always thought that there was police called to the house a couple of times. I, yeah. well, and, and I mean, I bet James Kennedy is probably more dangerous than Tom Sandoval. Like he could be when drinking. Yeah. 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 So who knows? Who knows? Say, but anyway, but Sandoval, I think <sighs> the way that she meant dangerous was that he is emotionally dangerous in the way that he can manipulate people's minds and make, like, I think during those first couple of days after the scandal broke, he was so, like, messing with Ariana to make her confused about what had happened and questioning her own reality. And that is, like, that's the actual definition of gaslighting, where Ugh, don't say the G word, the don't G word, say the G you know, word. which is like not just lying, right? Everyone's like, he's a gaslighter. Yeah. No, but when you like you, you mess with certain things where you basically tell someone that their own version of events and that the facts aren't the facts. So like you yeah. and I weren't in a good place. 
saying that over and over and over again when you were going to therapy, you were having sex, right. you had like a, you know, anniversary dinner, like all of these things, it's that's gaslighting. It's telling you, no, all of that doesn't count. We were just really bad and you weren't acknowledging that we were really bad or like that kind of stuff. But speaking of uh, Sandoval. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting that you yeah. bring that up. I'm so, sorry to cut you off. No, but, no. Like with that diagnosis with Raquel, like, to me, the things I was saying in my recaps all season was, like, why are you doing this? What are, like, her behavior seemed to make no sense. Like, when she went into the girls' trip and wasn't just, like, I'm leaving. It's, like, I'm leaving and I'm going to hang out with the boys. And, like, when she left that date with Oliver and showed up at Lala's birthday party. And it was, like, why are you doing this? And, like... Based on that diagnosis, it seems like somebody, she's so afraid of being alone and and disapproval that she's easily swayed into, like, doing what other people want her to do. Whether that is Tom Sandoval, whether that's someone on production who's like, oh, my God, no, it would be amazing yes. if you showed up at the party. 100%. Like, it seemed like the whole time she was being coached or, or like talked into things. And I couldn't figure out, I was like, does she want to be on the show this bad that she's just doing whatever somebody says, or maybe she's just listening to Sandoval and he's like, here's what you should do. Yeah. But it's, it, that makes her behavior all season less mysterious to me. I think she just, like listens to whoever the person that she's like codependent with at the time is telling her whether that was her parents or her mom telling her to do pageants, whether that's James DJ, James Kennedy, when they were together, (laughs) whether that's a friend, right? Like which friend is, is she dependent on Sheena? Is she like nonstop with Sheena 24 seven, basically acting like another one of Sheena's children, you know, like she's, she just seems like she can't, function independently or have independent thoughts which is scary it's a scary thing you know hopefully that it, i think it explains a lot of the behavior and then she's looking for approval through men and through like to be told that she's beautiful and and when men you know and and um i think charlie pointed this out she did an interview i'm trying to remember with who where charlie said when you are in the pageant world you are taught to compete with other women and that all other women yeah. are competition. And so it's not a far-fetched thing to then see, wow, this person is dating someone I'm interested in. Let me make it a competition and beat them. And yeah. which is why she's seemed to keep finding herself going after people that were supposedly she's not supposed to be with. Right. To like win. I mean, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Justice for Charlie. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved Charlie. She's the only good thing that happened out of that cursed year. <laughs> I know. She's good. But, you know, she was not natural to this group. And I no. personally would rather see, like, the Logans and the Brads and the Merediths and the Janets be on the show because they're actually friends with the whole group than the people that are cast to be on the show. Like, I just want to see their actual lives. Um, 
I am friendly with Logan. Can I tell you how? How? We met on Grindr. Grindr. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how many gays are here? And then it's like, you know, and then we just started chatting. And like, yeah, now we follow each other on Instagram and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> he seems lovely. I met him once He's at very Tom sweet. Tom. Yeah, he yeah. seems so great. Um, all of Ariana's friends seem so cool, but they all seem like they are all friends with each other. Like Janet Elizabeth, who's like super close with Sheena, but also with Brittany and Jax and Kristen. And she was there with Ariana the night of the third when everyone was showing up and supporting her. Like, let's see those people. And unless they don't want to be on the show, which I don't think they've ever had a super big interest in being on the show. They just are there because that's their friends. I would assume that, um, yeah, they weren't, if, you know, because they always ask the cast, like, who's your friends? Who's your friends? Like, if they were interested, that they would have been part of it by now. But, yeah, Janet we'll, I mean, is girl, a personal I assistant. I show called Ariana's oh. Gaze, and it's just yes. like Ariana's Gaze. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like Ariana sitting watching Love Island with a bunch of bags, you know, like, sign me up. I am there for it. I also would love, to, I mean, I know Ariana's dating this guy, but I hope that she really, like, dates a lot rather than just, like, settles into another relationship. And I, we know she's yeah. bi. I would love to see her with a woman, you know, in a healthy relationship with a woman or a man or whoever, non-binary person. Like, I want to see her just dating and finding herself rather than, like, being so attached to another person so quickly. My hope for Ariana is that she meets and falls in love with an LA power lesbian and that yes. she leaves us all behind and she <laughs> like gets out of the game. But it's just like, what about like girl cashed in peace out? See you later. Like, see you in Palm Springs. An LA power lesbian. So is that someone that still lives in LA? Cause like, could we pull her out of LA? I mean, we could pull her out of LA, sure, but I'm thinking like a Melissa Gilbert, you know what I mean? Oh. Like a, you know, yeah, like, like a Megan Ellison. Like, know? let's get like her involved a, in like a big cause. She becomes like the champion of a social issue. She's on like the board of a ton of, you know, yeah. nonprofits. Yes. I'm seeing like Portia de Rossi vibes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, I don't need any of this. She's sitting pretty. Um, okay. So Schwartz, when Raquel comes out, Schwartz opens a bottle, a prescription bottle and pops a Xanax, which I thought was, excuse me, a yeah. comically large prescription bottle. I didn't think it was. <laughs> How many fucking Xanax were in there? Like well, 1700? Okay. It, sometimes they give you the three month supply in the I U.S. Mean, Although they probably wouldn't do it for something like Xanax, because that's a controlled substance. Um, can I tell you one of the weirdest things about living in England? No pill bottles. Huh? Everything is in blister packs. Oh, like, God. Even when you go to the store and you buy ibuprofen, you can only buy 10 at a time. And they're in blister packs. And it's called paracetamol. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, paracetamol is like Tylenol, but yes. And um, yeah, it's fucking crazy. I don't understand it. And then I come, I, I just go to America to come back with the Walmart like Advil that's, you know, 
Yeah, like 500. 1,500 tablets. <laughs> yeah, like in a bottle. Oh, my oh, gosh. Um, bottles. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I thought him popping his annex was the most relatable thing because, like, he clearly is so uncomfortable and what we know about his past and his childhood and everything like this to him is the confrontation that he hates that he doesn't want to be a part of you know and and then to immediately have Sandoval be like you don't have to answer that question you don't have to tell them what you're taking just tell them it's your medication I'm like stop coaching him just let him be but also the fact that he on television was so willingly to pass the bottle around anyone else need it. That's actually illegal. If you have a prescription to share your prescription with another person, like that's actually something you cannot do. Um, but that's also, I feel like the ethos of the show exactly. is like, I have mushrooms who wants some. And then when Ariana was like, is that E? I'm like, what? drugs are you guys routinely doing and what ssris and snris are you guys all on that would not do well with these drugs like someone's gonna end up with serotonin syndrome in the hospital at some point like you can't be on drugs for depression and also take ecstasy and molly without there being a high chance of a something not going well I mean, that was kind of like the only thing my psychiatrist told me when I got my Lexapro was yes. like, don't do ecstasy. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, pretty well, there's yeah. so, there's multiple things that impact serotonin and you just like need to know what those things are so that you don't take those drugs. Like even other, you know, medications that seem like they would be for nothing. Like for example, the anti-nausea medication um, that people get for like chemo and stuff that can impact with serotonin. There, there's so many really? things. Yeah. There's a lot that it could, but nothing, nothing as bad as Molly. So, Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, don't do Molly if you're on SSRIs. Um, but it was just like, I feel like they, it's just not like, I understand doing drugs at like a music festival and every so often, but to like make it your daily, like it's a Tuesday, we're going to do mushrooms, we're going to stay up all night, we're going to watch the sunset, like we're going to go hand gliding. Like these are like extreme, like what what is going on in your life that you are seeking like extreme like fluctuations and what's happening in your neuro- neurotransmitters. <laughs> like you like something that's like off yes. that you're like needing. What, it what? It's called no job. Like these people <laughs> ain't got no job. They have nowhere to be. They have nothing to do. Like, and that's what like, remember Katie had that really dark period where she like was at home. She was gaining weight. She wasn't doing anything. She was it's only like, playing with Legos. Yeah. It's like, Get yourself a job. And I feel this way about Lindsay and Carl and Paige and all the Summer House people. As soon as these shows become about professional reality stars, I feel like they become less interesting than when they're about people leading a semblance of a real life. Like, at least Kyle Cook still has this, like, business. You know, he has, like, some place to show up to. And Amanda. You know, the rest of them... You would, they got nothing to do. You would think, though, that Schwartz and Sandy's, like, getting that up from being... Yeah. And getting that running should be something that they're doing all day, every day, sober. 
Yes. I would like to think. <laughs> okay. But I then, feel like they got they got fooled because their job at TomTom Tom was to show up at night and drink with people so that people would come. And so I think that they were like, oh, we could do that on our on a, at our own bar. But it's like, oh, no. You know, you didn't anticipate the level of work that Lisa Vanderpump was actually putting into this place. You know, and I'm sure Lisa has all sorts of other help, too, that, yeah. Okay, let's end with Sheena, who I believe was the MVP of part two, is the MVP of my heart. I love Sheena Shea. She is one of the most perfect reality stars, in my opinion. She never intentionally harms people. Like, she is someone with... Never. Like, does she get into drama? Do people get mad at her? All the time. Is it ever with her intention of being hurtful? Never. I love this Gina woman. Shea was bullied. Yes. On this show for so many years. That drove me crazy when Lala was like, this is Bravo. No one bullies here. From the number one bully, like, in that room. Like, I mean, they all, they treated Sheena Shea like shit for years. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm glad that she's finally having her moment. And that's why I say she had the best season because even before all the Scandaball stuff happened, even before we were questioning anything, Lala and Katie were treating Raquel like shit. Like they treat every new girl who comes onto the show and is like, fuck you. We don't need you. We're going to make fun of you. We're going to exclude you. We're going to ostracize you, whatever. Sheena Shea was not. And, but then as soon as she found out, she was like, I punched that bitch in the face and threw her phone in the street. You know, <laughs> get that tattooed is, on your arm. <laughs> yeah. And like, Oh my God. And her scene with Tom Sandoval, when she was like, I can't be friends with you. Like you were the only one who was nice to me. And this really hurts me, but like, I can't like look past that. Yeah. It's she's amazing. I want a good as gold on vinyl. Me too. That's all I want. If Sheena she sells Shea. them at BravoCon, I feel like I need to DM her and be like, please sell these at BravoCon. Like, make this happen. People will buy that. Like, I would hang it in my apartment. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a vinyl collection, and I want to be able to browse through all my good records and go, good as gold. And know what? I feel like good as gold has always been a hit, but... It has finally become what it was meant to be all along, which is a jingle. Good as gold should have been a jingle. And now with the Uber Eats. Yes. I mean, yeah. Savings. Our good as gold has become a, a real boy. <laughs> um, I just, when Sheena gave that monologue about how close she was with Tom and Raquel and how she, Lala came to Sheena and said, I think something's going on. I can't be the one to bring it up. And she sat down with Ariana and said, like, please, like, this is what's happening. And Ariana was like, you've nothing to worry about. And then she separately spoke to Raquel and separately spoke to Tom Sandoval. And she told Raquel please, please don't do anything that would make me not be able to be friends with you. Like, don't do that. And Raquel's like, I would never do that. And then she's just breaking down and we're watching Raquel's face in the trailer. And it's blank. 
And then she yeah. says, I probably should have written Sheena a personal note. Like, she is not understanding the gravity of no. the pain that she has caused in a very different way than Sandoval. So Sandoval yes. thinks he can't cause pain because he, I believe, is very narcissistic and views himself as the perpetual victim. And if you're the perpetual yep. victim, you're the only one that experiences pain. You can't give pain to others. But for yep. her, it's like she's just not putting the pieces together. And I don't think she understood the depths of the friendships that she was in and and how they felt about her. Like she think she thought the relationship with the guy was the one that mattered and not all the yes. relationships that she formed with the women and she was willing yeah. to throw those away just for the relationship and approval of a man and it's really those relationships with the women that were the ones that were the true authentic relationships and that's what i don't get about her is that sheena literally went to her and was like if you are doing this it's gonna cause us to not be friends and she still didn't get it when Sheena like explicitly told her what to expect. Like, and then she she was like, Oh, I didn't understand that this would happen. Yeah. That's what I just don't. It's yeah. It's crazy. But yeah. And know what? That is a real fucking friend. Sheena Shea sitting everyone down off camera being like, here's what's going on, you know? And, uh, I and I don't her. mind things happening off camera when it's not filming time. Like this was all taking place in January. Yes. This isn't when they're filming. So, you know, I, yes. it, yeah, it's not like we're dealing with a summer house situation. Brian, we've been talking for almost two hours. Like two hours. <laughs> I know. I just looked at the clock and I'm like, oh my God, how have I been? Oh my God. Your poor listeners. My poor <laughs> Guys, afternoon. <laughs> People are going to love this. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you, how they can subscribe to the Housewives Institute Bulletin, where they can find your book, um, anything else you want to plug. Um, you can find me on all social media platforms at Brian J. Moylan. Um, I have reserved a room for BravoCon. It has two beds, and I am currently accepting applications through <laughs> my DMs. <laughs> Please send photos in your underwear. Um, and um, you can find, I so I do uh, Vanderpump, OC is coming up, New York, I'm going to be on. Uh, all those are on Vulture right after the episode airs. So you can find them there. And then the Housewives Institute Bulletin is now monthly, sadly, once a month uh, on the first, second Friday. So the next one comes out in a week on June 9th. Uh, it's going to be like a Scandaval wrap-up issue. Um, and you can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives. And yeah. Uh, you can buy my book everywhere books are sold. The Housewives colon the real story behind the real housewives. And yeah, I mean, oh, it's now woefully out of date, sadly. I mean, but it's yeah. still so interesting. I think my favorite, a lot of good stuff in there. One of my favorite parts of the book, though, is that you go into some of the contract stuff. Because yeah. that is so fascinating to me to try and figure out, you know, what what they get out of being a housewife, like what a first season contract is, you know, all, all of that stuff. Um, I love like the behind the scenes stuff. Are you thinking about writing a second book? 
Um, let me say that uh, I have some projects in the works. Most of them are like uh, reality based, but maybe not like housewife specific. Okay. So, but you'll be, everyone will be pleased. If you had a book that was just about the like Vanderpump Rules, Summer House, Southern Charm part of Bravo, that is fascinating to me. That's not, that's not a bad idea. I feel like somebody should pay me money to write like a quickie Scandaval book. (laughs) That too, that too. Yeah, let's just like pump it out in a month and like get her out there, but. Yeah, no, I I don't know that we have enough for a whole scandal. Oh yeah, but there is some there's some stuff on the horizon, guys. So oh, I'm so excited about it. Well, thank you so much for joining and um, for giving everyone everything. And <laughs> I love how I was like, "Do you have 20 more minutes?" And we like spoke for another hour, <laughs> <laughs> like an hour and a half. Yeah, I I have had a feeling there are few people I enjoy talking about this stuff as much as I do uh with you so oh, thank you for Brian, having me I love talking to you you're like one of my favorite favorite people to read to listen to I will listen to any podcast that you're on because I love your takes I just find you so clever and funny and <sighs> more more Please I know more. I try to wait to read your recaps until after I um, record because I don't want to be too influenced by them. But <laughs> fair, they're fair. so funny. They're so, so funny. Oh, and okay. this week, and I read it before because I was going to have you on, um, I love how your husband intervened and said that most of the jokes actually come from him. And he wants to know why Katie Maloney was at Sheena Shea's wedding, but not at the wedding. Oh my God. He's so annoyed about it. And that's why, cause he always reads the recaps and I'm always like, what's your favorite part? And it's always some joke of his that I stole. And like, yeah, but, um, he's so incensed and he's like, I'm so mad about Scandaball. I need Katie to answer for why she was there and no one's bringing it up. Why aren't they bringing it up? And I was like, Oh my God. And so, yeah, he, he made a, a little appearance. He loved it. Well, she said on the record that production told her to go. I mean, I get it, but also I would have been like, bitch, no, no, thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah. But she's a single woman now. She has to make her money. She has to, you know. Yeah, I I will be first in line for uh, something about her sandwich. Oh, I I want one of the I hope they bring some of those sandwiches at BravoCon. Like, I hope they bring that woman who was creating the sandwiches who wanted one named after her. We don't have any idea who that woman is or why she should have a sandwich named after her. Bring that woman to the bazaar. Have her making tons of the whatever, salpercetta, the turkey, the vegan, all of it. I want it all. If there is not something about her sandwich truck parked in the lobby of Caesar's Palace, I (laughs) am asking for a refund. Oh my God. Excuse me, Bravo. I paid $17 million for this SVIP ticket. (laughs) I I want a free motherfucking sandwich from that truck, bitch. Oh my God. So funny. Okay. I will talk to you soon. And I hopefully will see you in Las Vegas. Yes. 
Bye. Bye-bye.